Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, episode 72, entitled A New Way of Doing Hosting, Really? with Claudio Benvenuti from Hardy Press. It was released on the 19th of April 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. And I'll be joined later for our discussion, which is entitled Do Plugin Adverts Annoy You? by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com. Please go to the wpbuilds.com website, click on all the buttons, including the iTunes one, where you can give us a five-star review if you fancy it. Uh, WP Builds Facebook group can be found at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook forward slash subscribe to subscribe to our newsletter forward slash advertise if you'd like to advertise on the podcast and forward slash YouTube if you'd like to see this episode on YouTube, which is a bit of a strange thing, isn't it? If you go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash win, you can still enter the Smart Slider 3 contest. There's 20, sorry, not 20, there are three. I don't know where I got 20 from. There are three Smart Slider 3 Pro licenses available. Um, my apologies, I set the competition to end. I think it was today um, but that was completely an error um, in fact it's not ending for a couple of weeks so please if you haven't entered it go and check that out it's wpbuilds.com forward slash win to uh, have a chance of winning that plugin from the guys at smart slider 3 and you'll be hearing from them in probably next week about what that plugin does and so on and so forth so yeah stick around for that that's next week um, I would also like to say hello to everybody who went to WordCamp in London this weekend. I was there from Saturday to Sunday. I uh, managed to meet a whole load of people that I'd never met before in the real world and quite a few people that I'd met only online in Facebook and in our Facebook uh, group and so on. But I uh, also caught up with some people that I had definitely met before and it was really great. I had a fabulous time um, I went to lots and lots of interesting talks and met lots and lots of interesting people, but you don't really want to hear about that right now. And that's not the intention of this podcast. If you fancy getting 25% off main WP, the plugin which allows you to manage and maintain all of your WordPress websites in one place, then go to mainwp.com and use the offer code WPBUILDS, all in capital letters. Okie dokie. So what's in store on the podcast today? In a moment, David and I will be talking about do plugin adverts annoy you? After that, we'll be talking to Claudio Benvenuti all about his new project, which is a hosting company called Hardy Press. Um, you might think, what, a, what on earth can we talk about that's new in hosting? Well, it turns out this is actually quite new, or at least it's not something I've come across. Um, you'll see. Check it out. But it's, it's really all about the way that he launches WordPress in a Docker container um, and then you fiddle with the Docker container and then when you press save it, the Docker container goes away so essentially WordPress goes away and you get a flat HTML site R interesting idea certainly speeds up um, your site for SEO purposes and so on it's really interesting and then right again right sorry right at the end the ending facts um, this week it's all about SERPs S-E-R-P-S I'm sure you know what that stands for 
Anyway, there you go. That's my introduction done. Right now, I'm going to hand you over to David Wormsley and I to get on with our little discussion. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello. Today's discussion, we are calling Do Plugin Adverts Annoy You? Shall I give it a bit of background, Nathan? Yeah, I think one? that would be good because it's it's a bit clickbaity, isn't it? And we're not trying to be clickbaity. <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually... It, this really comes out of a recent conversation because I was listening to the WP Builds Weekly News Edition, Nathan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Week. You are our <laughs> regular <laughs> one listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. But you were talking about an update on WP Rocket caching plugin, which was my uh, caching plugin, which I absolutely loved. And there was a big interface change on that. And when I took a look, it was quite a shock to me because some things were removed, the white label featuring, and it's got some adverts in there. So it's really made me question now what I want for my plugin once again, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think WP Rocket is a fabulous caching plugin, but the adverts that they've always had for one of their other services, Imidjifying, is it Imidjify? Imidjify, yeah, it must be. Yeah, yeah, that comes up regularly. So it's really set off this kind of debate, didn't it, in our group? So there were some people, I remember Vaughan Simons, uh, he wrote something uh, fabulous. Hang on, let me just see if I can find it there. Yeah, he said, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm always hearing people recommending plugins because of their huge bloated interfaces and multiple ads rather than their slick, simple IUs <laughs> and added a cough. And I just thought, yeah, there's a fabulous debate in this, isn't there? Yeah, I completely get it. I mean, sometimes um, I, I I kind of rail against the fact that a plugin has put great big adverts in there. Um, I don't know. I, I've just got this impression that WordPress ought to look this certain way. And 99% of everything that's that I've installed and, and added on behaves in that way. You know, it's got the same... Uh, CSS, yeah. for want of a better word, you know, they use the same padding, they use the same fonts, they use the same text colors, and, you know, they put up a little nag to say something like, uh, your plugin has been updated, go and check the change log. And, and basically, it looks like WordPress. And that's my ideal way of having things done. However, uh, clearly, there's a lot of money to be made i guess if you are giving a free plugin away on the wordpress repo but you have an upgrade path there's there's a lot of um tension for developers there um to try and upgrade their users and so i guess this this revolves around that you know first of all should you should we be allowed to use the the wordpress ui as an advert uh, with you know colorful text and graphics and animated gifs and actually i don't think i've ever seen an animated gif but we you know what i mean um or should it be left to your own website should we be allowed to put colorful images in there should we be allowed things that occupy giant proportions of the screen um and and should you be allowed to another thing which we'll get onto later should you be allowed to add and remove features um, without consultation um, before doing it, so yeah, that that's kind of where we're at. Who's who's been a who's been a big offender for you? If we just concentrate on the advertising bit, who, which plugins can you name? Not trying to be horrible or anything, but which plugins <laughs> can you name where you've seen a whole heap of adverts and you thought, oh my word? <laughs> I think one that I think many people will know about is um, Yoast 
SEO because mm. there's a lot of advertising. And in fact, there's a free plugin that allows you to remove that advertising. So it's obviously annoyed somebody enough for them to build a plugin to remove that. That's crazy, isn't it? There's a there's a plugin mm. simply to remove the adverts. I mean, it's a huge plugin, isn't it? Yoast SEO, mm. with probably mm. number one in terms of install across the whole of web WordPress. But um, yeah, crazy that there's a plugin just to remove the adverts. But the, the thing about their adverts, I suppose, is that they clearly spend money on the iconography, um, yes. and they it's got a it's got a cohesive look and feel. I am going to mention one, um, um, and it's the plugin that I use actually on the WP Builds website, and it's um, it's the fact that it, and it's to put the adverts in. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the podcast um, in the in the actual show notes um an advert appears and all it does is it works out this is the third paragraph put it in there it's nothing much more complicated than that but they've got a paid offering where you can you can do more things and i've never explored it but they've they've gone for some crazy it almost feels like it's kind of like a jquery set of css you remember those sort of jquery columns and tabs and things it feels all a bit like that and the adverts don't really feel anything like wordpress they're bespoke and i think they're a little bit on the quick side i'm sorry i'm not trying to be horrible um <laughs> but it every time i see it i think oh that's that's not really wanting me to upgrade or making me feel like i want to upgrade that's kind of putting me off a little bit <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, I do think there's a, a little, I don't know, maybe I contradict myself here because I don't, I forgive Yoast SEO because it's, you know, such a phenomenal free plugin, you know, they're advertising. That's fine. I get it for free. So maybe part of my distinction is between the plugins where I guess why I felt WP Rocket that let me down is because it's they decided to remove their white labeling option and add their brand into it. Mm. So that's not why, not what I signed up for mm. and paid in advance for. So that's the thing. And I guess we mentioned this before. I think you brought this up is the fact that maybe a big distinction between advertising to us. Uh, who might buy these products and advertise into our clients who need to go into their websites. And I think that's probably what upsets me the most. I feel this if I've got no control over what my clients see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's kind of crossing a bit of a line, actually. I think it's okay. You know, I would I would far rather that there was a set of standards which people really had to adhere to. I know that's that's really fussy, isn't it? But, you know, a set of CSS classes and things that they had to adhere to in order to populate adverts so that they looked consistent. I would kind of like that. Mm. Um, but I think they should be based upon um, an administrative role. So, you know, if I'm the administrator, I get to see these. It would kind of freak me out a little bit. I think if I was an end user and there were adverts coming up inside my website that I'd paid for. Because mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're entering a territory which is a little bit a little bit peculiar, you know. Oh, I've got this I've got this plugin which does this thing, but apparently there's a better version. Why don't I have the better version? Well, <laughs> um, because what you've got is enough and it does everything that you you need and so on. And so yeah, I, I, my personal opinion there is that it shouldn't be displayed to to everybody. I don't know um, exactly what the granularity of all of these adverts are. I honestly don't know. You know, for example, Yoast SEO does it does it take those steps? I don't know. Does my advertising plugin do that? I don't know. Um, but they certainly appear for me. And sometimes I get three or four of them at the same time if I've just recently updated things. And 
And also, I guess the location of them can be weird as well. You know, you can have these things floating on the dashboard or they might just stay inside certain menus that are related to that plugin. And again, mm -hmm. I have an opinion on that. I think that if you're going to advertise, it should only be in the in the settings pages for the plugin itself, not anywhere else. What do you think? Mm, no, I agree with that one. A again, I think it was um, Vaughn Simons who, who said something about the fact that he made the point about it, the whole thing look like, you know, Christmas lights in Oxford Street if everybody is allowed to sort of create their own or garnish the interfaces as they like. Mm. But I think that's also a difficulty if you're moving from one plugin settings to another. It may be a beautiful job that they've done, and particularly WP Rocket have in that case. It is a, a beautiful design that they've made, but it's their colors, their branding that's in there. And if you go to another settings page and they do similar, the, the whole... <laughs> the whole experience of being in the back end of WordPress is going to be very confusing, I believe, yeah. to clients. Again, not to hark back, but I do this periodically. I talk about Drupal, and, and in Drupal, because everything is free, um, everything, broadly speaking, everything obeyed that UI because there was just there was the one UI, and, mm. and it wasn't, it isn't as attractive as WordPress's um, UI at all. You know, the the attention to detail is not as great but it was utterly consistent. So everything was laid out with the same size fonts and the same colored fonts mm. and spacing and padding all looked the same. And there was no garish adverts for upgrades because it, it there was simply no way of doing it. And then when I moved to WordPress, I saw those. And, you know, you get settings pages, just like you've said with the WP Rocket. They've, I mean, they've, they've done a great job. It looks lovely. They've got all sorts of fun stuff. And, and I can think about things like iThemes, you know, iThemes security with the way that looks. It, it, it mm. looks really nice, but it, it just sort of creates confusion. If you're not in there all the time and you're just dipping in mm. once in a while, right, I know that that company have got a vested interest in making it look as attractive as possible, but sometimes I think consistency should trump um, should trump beauty, if you know what I mean. And nobody could argue that a default install of WordPress is... Well, I don't think you could argue that it's ugly, because it isn't. It's really well thought out and clear, and, mm. and um, you know, millions of users can't be wrong. Yes. Well, it's clean, isn't it? And it's minimal. And I think everyone should take the lead from how that looks for their plugin. I think it depends. I mean, we are talking from the perspective of... The, the clients who buy licenses from plugin developers for unlimited generally mm. so we can serve all of them. And we are maybe very, very different from, and we've no idea um, what plugin developers get their business from, whether they get them from single licenses and they do need to keep advertising other services or whether they get them from us. But I think there needs to be that distinction if we're to move forward. Everybody just can't be blasting the place out with adverts as they want. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, sometimes I'll log into a site that I haven't because I use um, MainWP increasingly to um, manage my sites. I, I don't often go in the actual uh, WordPress backend, you know, the WP-admin. Don't often go in there. And then sometimes you do go in and lots of nags have built up over time and lots of these you know, <laughs> yes. upgrades have happened and the little nags still haven't been dismissed. And so you end up having to trawl through about six of them and make them all go away. And it's it's really obvious which ones have been 
well mm-hmm. thought through. The fact of the matter is, though, they there must be a purpose for them. They must pay for themselves, otherwise these companies wouldn't do it. If the feedback was invariably, nobody's clicking on these things, everybody's annoyed by them, nobody likes them, they would stop doing it, surely. Um, presumably, and again... Um, sort of contradicting everything that we've said so far. I guess we have to have a, a great deal of sympathy, for want of a better word, for um, for people who make these plugins because we've no idea of their circumstances and we've no idea of how much work they put into um, giving away their free stuff. And mm. this may be the only shot they've got of mm. getting somebody to put some money in their back pocket. Um, and they may not have the skills in graphic design to make them look attractive. They may not have the time to spend on doing um the the wordpress ui because what they've got time only for building the mm. the plugin so they just slap something together and and it works and off they go so yeah maybe we need to be mm. a, a little bit sympathetic there as well yeah oh absolutely i completely agree i i wonder though um whether people just try stuff out and, and that we have it because it works because one thing that i still see regularly but i've heard so many times before and that is the donation thing people very very rarely give donations for free plugins Mm. but i still see them appearing in new plugins even though they're not going to work i think each new person coming to it thinks it may work for them but it generally doesn't (laughs) so i think that a lot of it maybe is in there because it's following a fashion rather than actually is working And I think the biggest asset to all of the plugin developers is the the tribe of us who go out there and promote it, particularly the people like us who build websites for clients. When we get into our Facebook pages and we really love a service, we do so much promoting for them. So it's really important that they don't let us down, I feel. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's amazing the power of just one comment from somebody in authority in a Facebook group that can kind of sweep the, uh, you know, sweep a, a lesser known plugin right to the top of everybody's mind uh, in a matter of days. And, and, you know, you can have the reverse effect as well. You can you can downgrade. And that, that seems to be what's happening um, at the moment um, with, with your experience mm. with WP Rocket. It seems to have annoyed uh, not just you, but a fair bunch of other people as well. Speaking of which... One of the things that got you about that was the, um, so we're not really talking about advertising now, moving the discussion Mm. on to upgrading, downgrading Mm. features, removing features, adding features, clicking features on by default. Have have you had this Mm. happen to you a lot apart from this, this one? Yeah, I've, well, it's not been too much of an issue, but I, I do find myself questioning, you know, what the, uh, there's a, a real pressure I feel at the moment. And I see it in the Facebook groups that we're on is for developers to constantly, particularly if there's a subscription model, to keep adding new stuff for people mm. to feel they've got value mm. each year. <clears throat> and for some people, and I think I'm one of those, it actually can cause problems. So Typically, one thing I will moan about is if, say, something like Beaver Builder module packs add some new module to it that is not automatically turned on when it comes out. Now, I think people have been sympathetic. They heard that kind of talk uh, going on earlier on. But the the natural inclination was to put that out there, the new stuff, let people know it's there, put it in the the UI for folks. So I think there's a pull there even in our own communities. You know, people want more stuff, but other – others (laughs) others <laughs> with the same plugin paying the same money would rather they didn't have so much coming yeah the, the cautious side of me and my cautious side usually wins especially with upgrading plugins and things you know typically i'll back everything up before i touch any plugin update no matter how small whether it's a you know a point release or not um it it, it would 
it, I just think it makes no sense to add a new feature and switch it on. Um, yeah. Because who knows what, what is going to go wrong. For me, the, the path should always be upgrade the plugin, email everybody in your database about the, um, you know, the, what's it called? The, the, the something log, the change log. Um, change log, yes. And, and then also, th- see, this is where I think is a good place for an advert is put a little WordPress-style nag um, in after the plugin has been updated. And this is something that um, iThemes security do, and I think they do it quite well. Um, they'll say iThemes security has just been updated. Here's the have a look at the change log, and that's it. And you can dismiss that or look at the change log. And I obviously go in and look at the change log and see is there anything in here which is of, of importance? Is there anything massive? Now, I my experience is that they don't switch things on by default, but yeah, I, I just don't think you should switch things on by default. And there's all sorts of clever ways nowadays, isn't there? For um, you know, you 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 buy a new SaaS product, and the first time you log in, you're guided around with little flashing icons saying, "Okay, click me, click me." That kind of stuff can be deployed quite effectively. I know that's a lot of extra overhead and a lot of work, so probably it's not worth it for a lot of these plugins. But you know, illustrating what's been changed is very helpful. Um, and then at least you can start to figure out what's gone wrong if things do go wrong. Mm. Do you know, there's one that's coming up very soon, uh, Beaver Builder one, they're changing their naming conventions. So where it used to say Page Builder, it's now going to be seen in the next release, Beaver Builder. Mm. And, and that's interesting as well because, you know, my personal feeling is I liked Page Builder because it described to clients what it is mm. because they don't know, they're not expecting to build a beaver they are expecting perhaps to build a page so they know what it is and uh but you know it's really interesting you know this I heard completely the opposite saying that makes so much sense to do that <laughs> not yeah. just from an advertising point of view you know from a, from a sort of business point of view i suppose with with the increasingly mm. competitive landscape that they're in um i mm. guess making people aware because you just don't know do you what word of mouth goes on you know if somebody an inexperienced WordPress user says, oh, yeah, we can build our pages in a few seconds. Yeah, we've got this thing. It's Beaver Builder, it says. And then that suddenly that might launch, a, you know, um, somebody finding them for the first time. Whereas if it's just generically it's Page Builder and you Google Page Builder, well, we, we all know that that will lead to lots and lots of different results of of differing qualities. So I, I can yeah. see I can see why they're doing it, but I can also see it's less descriptive because it doesn't yeah even if it said beaver page builder that might be uh, more descriptive but then of course you get it's getting too long <laughs> yes exactly yeah. and then, well you know the wp rocket one why i used their white labeling was typically just to change it to cash rather than wp rocket because mm. from a client point of view they needed to clear the cash when things weren't looking right so for them it was about their layout yeah not about the speed, which is what the plugin does. Yeah, you know, gives them greater speed. So there was, it was hard for them to make the connection. WP Rocket Rocket Speed, cash was much easier once I got that concept into their minds because they would know it through me talking to them about clearing the cash yeah. on the browser. So there are things like that where I, I do think that descriptive seems or, or not necessarily so, but just allowing us as developers who manage client sites, I just think it would be so much nicer if we were able to control that kind of thing. Do you ever go to the lengths of actually rewriting how WordPress outputs those links in the admin menu? Do you ever go and you know create a, a function to change the name of WP Rocket to Cache? Um, <laughs> do you ever do that kind have- of stuff? Yeah. 
Yeah, I have done it actually. I've used the text translate, um, you know, whatever that's called, something that I put into the child theme, you know, yep, to yep, change yep, the yep. names. Yep. But I, you know, I've run into problems if there's commonly used terms or something that could be used somewhere else. In uh, I, I get I don't have the developer skills to do this properly, so yeah. that's probably. You know, I think I've done it in the past where I've I've worked out which div it sits in and you know nth child and that kind of stuff. Can't remember how uh, I did it, but then that is fraught with problems because it just needs to be moved and it breaks. You know, something gets installed over the top of it, and uh, <laughs> seems to remember that happening. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it's like television or or anything. You know, face uh, these adverts. Adverts are um, they're a necessary evil if that's. You know, nobody wants television programs to be stopped by adverts. Nobody wants adverts at the beginning, you know, adverts, not trailers, adverts when they go to watch a movie. Um, but they they help pay for things to happen. So we, we put up with them because we realize that's the model we live in. And I expect it's the same here. Um, plugins are going to have adverts because they need it to support themselves. But... I guess from my point of view, it'd be nice if they all looked really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I guess it's that I don't. It's not that I don't want adverts to be there, but I just wonder if they're picking the most effective way. As I say, you know, the, in fact, we're updating from main WP. So a lot of the time, I'm not seeing the adverts, and I'm the the most likely person to buy something. Mm where my clients are seeing them and they're not going to buy it. It's just as simple as that. So mm. I, I do wonder whether it needs rethinking about, and I think plugin developers perhaps ought to talk to some of their clients, particularly the users like us, the implementers who rely on their skills to be able to sort of pass their work on to our clients, mm. how they might best reach people. So I, I'd love that conversation to be had. Do you know what we should have? We should have a, we should have a WordPress default in core page in the in the admin called offers and <laughs> all of the plugin developers shove their stuff inside the offers page and you get the little red circle which says two offers you know <laughs> get 50 percent off updating your nobody would look in that page there would they that's a stupid idea <laughs> <laughs> right i think we've done this one david i agree yes. in which case interview. yes we shall pass us over to the interview and we've started now the interview part of the podcast. And today we have something quite unique and a little bit interesting because I've got Claudio Benvenuti from Hardy Press. Um, so hi, hi there, Claudio. How are you? Hi, Natan. Very fine. Thank you. Good. Um, now, the reason that Claudio is on um, is because a month or so ago, and I don't remember who did this, but somebody came into my Facebook group or the Facebook group for this podcast, I should say, and um, and posted uh, about Hardy Press, which is your platform, and said, have you ever seen anything like this? Go and take a look. And, and, and I, I clicked on your website, Hardy Press. It's Hardy Press, H-A-R-D-Y-P-R-E-S-S.com. And I found myself looking at something which it looked like a hosting company. I thought this is this is normal stuff. And then I looked at the words on the website and it said unbreakable websites 10 times faster. And I thought, well, boy, how, how are they doing this? Um, and I explored a little bit further and discovered that you've built a platform uh, to put WordPress installs on, which um, is very different to the normal hosting. 
Could could I ask you how does the, your product actually work, and you know why would WordPress developers and site builders like me uh, want to use it? Yeah, of course. Uh, HardyPress is a, as you said, is a special WordPress hosting service that aims to free webmasters from performance, security, and scalability issue on, of WordPress websites. Uh, we do this by combining the benefits of WordPress. I mean, easy of installation, easy of use, uh, huge plugin ecosystem, and so on. Uh, we combine this with this, the benefits of a static site generator, namely security and performance. Um, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Carry on. No, no, just ask. Um, well, I was going to say at, at this point, uh, it, you, you mentioned the word static. Yeah. Um, that's that's the crucial difference, I think, in, in what you're doing. Do, do you want to develop on that a little bit more? And I'm sorry yeah. if I interrupted. Of course, no problem. I mean, the, the dynamic part of the architecture for the most site is only really exploited by the admins while navigating in the back end of the WordPress, using WordPress dashboard, editing article, and so on. The public-facing website very often doesn't have any real dynamic feature. But visitors undergo a dynamic architecture anyway that only produces negative effect on their experiences. So a slowness, instability, potential vulnerabilities, and so on. So, I mean, the hardest way to simplify things is to use WordPress as a static site generator. As simple as that. Yeah. Uh, it's work like a bit, uh, like a web crawler, to understand, starting at the main page of the website and looking for links to the other page and create static copy of it. Uh, obviously, we also include images, CSS, JavaScript, uh, and any other files. We can find a link to it. Uh, in addition, we take care of optimize this site for SEO. Uh, we make contact form running well, even on the static site, and we augment the search box to provide instant suggestion to visitors, even if the final site is, is static. I mean, okay. Um, so I'll I'll unpack that a little bit, um, and you can see some nice diagrams on the on the website. They've got a, a nice sort of way of explaining this through through some sort of diagrams and, and what have you. Um, yeah. Basically, um, rather than so, what you're saying is that in a normal install of WordPress, the the admin needs to have the interactive functionality, and all the PHP needs to trigger and work. Um, but the the end user doesn't really. They just want to see um, the page, and the page is HTML. But of course, WordPress yeah. doesn't have um, the capacity to just produce HTML. It has to produce HTML through the through the whole process that, that WordPress goes through. And so yeah. um, it takes time. You know, every single page link that you click on, it has to uh, query the database, construct the page, throw it all together. And, and depending on the kind of hosting that you've got, um, that can take time if you've got a poor quality yeah. machine, bad CPU, um, low bandwidth and all of that kind of stuff. It, those queries can take a few seconds and obviously every second that you add on is going to negatively impact your um, your SEO. Whereas yeah. you crawl the site, uh, construct just the HTML that you need and then you create a completely different website yeah. Separate the back end of WordPress 
from the site that the end user sees and all you serve up is a flat HTML file. Yeah, it's true. Uh, basically, uh, when you, you create a new website on RDPress, you got two websites. One Dynamics website where we host your WordPress installation uh, with the benefits that you can turn WordPress on and you can switch it off anytime. So most of the time, your WordPress simply does not exist. Uh, there is no PHP, no, no database, uh, nothing that can break. Then yeah. when you switch your WordPress on, you can use it like you, you are used to do. When you finish your editing, you can create a static version of your front-facing website just within a click. In this exactly moment, we start crawling your websites and we, we push the generated static content online on a CDN and we switch your WordPress off. So it's basically is quite different from uh, caching plugins. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, there are mainly two differences from caching plugin. Uh, the first one is regarding the speed of the website. Okay. The classic way to optimize the website is usually to have a CDN hosting the assets, images, CSS, mm. JavaScript, and a cache layer on top of the web server. Okay. Uh, in this way, yeah, you can have a quite good performance. But the fact is that, for example, uh, a China's visitors still need to fetch the HTML page from your server in California for mm. example. Mm. Uh, the server response will be good because you have a caching plugin doing his job. The assets will be served fast because you have Cloudflare uh, on it. But the, the, the call to retrieve the original HTML page from China to California uh, is going to be very far from optimal because of the distance. I mean, uh, this is uh, a relevant factor for CEO. Okay. Uh, this is the first difference. Uh, the second difference is about security. I mean, a caching plugin uh, is built to caching your uh, contents, but you still need to have your WordPress live somewhere. Okay, so you need to have, uh, you need to upgrade plugin, upgrade the decor. Uh, you have to be careful. Your WordPress can be hacked anytime. Mm. Uh, with RDPress, uh, basically you can hide your WordPress installation. You can switch it off when you don't need it. Okay. Your WordPress only runs uh, when an editor logs into the WordPress dashboard to make some changes. For the rest of the time, as I said, there is no PHP, no MySQL, nothing that can break. So if, um, you know, if I was to go to um, my HardyPress install of WordPress um, and try to access, um, let's say, forward slash WP slash, uh, sorry, WP hyphen admin, um, unless it was switched on, literally nothing would be there. There would be no page, no PHP getting, um, no no database queries, nothing. No, Abs no. you just... just find out 404 error. Yeah. Okay. File not found. Okay, <laughs> right. So so ha what I'm quite interested in the actual, the technology, you know, so what, what from a technical point of view, yeah. what's, what is the stack of technologies that you're using um, like you described it as um, you were going out and almost like an S, uh, like a Google bot or something, going around crawling the pages. Presumably, you've had to build this yourself. And, and then what yeah. do you use to sort of switch 
WordPress on and switch WordPress off and and do you store sorry there's many questions here but do you yeah. store do you store um just flat html files um how does how does it technically work i'm very interested okay it's quite complicated mm. uh, i'll try to explain it as better as i can uh First of all, uh, we we are a hosting company, but the weird things about HardyPress is that we are uh, we don't own any server. Okay, all our infrastructure infrastructure perfect, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is entirely built on the cloud. Currently, is on Amazon AWS, yeah, uh, which allows us obviously to minimize the risks and the costs of server management, and also allow uh, us to scale yep. quite easily. Uh, on top of that, we use Docker to bring WordPress to life when it's needed. Uh, okay. And we use Swarm as an orchestration system okay. to ensure a very high level of isolation and security between websites that run on it. Uh, to make it simple, when you turn WordPress on on RDPress, what we do is to fire up a Docker container with all your data. So what you are facing is a real WordPress installation that is running on our cluster environment. Uh, is a sort of staging environment where you do changes, uh, you do all, all the stuff you usually do on WordPress. But this, this WordPress run uh, only runs on a uh, completely random generated subdomain uh, hardly to guess and can be protected by basic outs also. Okay. So uh, you can switch WordPress on and use WordPress like you are used to do. You can switch WordPress on in two ways. Uh, you can enter the HardyPress dashboard and click a, a simple switch. Yep. There's a button switch. Let's uh, say just switch your WordPress on. You click on it and your WordPress bring to, yes, bring to life. Uh, the other way... Uh, is using our special login page for each website. We have a special login page because, as you said, the classic uh, WP login.php does not exist because WordPress is off. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, how your if you are an agent, an agency, how your clients could log into WordPress? Okay. Uh, we have, as I say, this special page. Uh, that you can give to your clients. They just log, insert the username and the password of the WordPress user. And if the, the user is a valid user, we bring WordPress to life and we push the user in the dashboard. Right. Okay, so it's quite transparent for them. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds fascinating. And presumably, um, you guys built a lot of the the infrastructure surrounding the, the the switching on of the Docker container and all of that kind of stuff for this platform. You you guys have yeah. done that, yeah. That's really clever stuff. Do, how long does it take for me to click the button and Docker the Docker container to instantiate and come to life? What's the what's the lag between like pressing the button? Currently, is like four or five seconds. Oh, really? Nothing. Yeah, it's fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the create a static version can can be can be take longer. Yes, because it strictly depend on the size of the website. Yes, 
do, do, I was going to ask, that was my next question. So if I was to log in and let's say that I'm a very simple site and yeah. I all I do um, when I'm in the Docker container is create, let's say, one new post and then I'm finished. Um, yeah. Do I do I have to in do I have to initiate the 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 bot to crawl or do I just log out and that's all automatically handled and and how do, do you get on with that job of crawling the website immediately so that that page comes live or or does the page when I create the page does that in some way tell your system look there's a new page uh, go crawl it now. No, currently uh, you have to trigger a new deploy, okay. a, a new static size version of your website. Uh, this, this is, uh, I mean, we, we see this as a feature because you can have a staging environment where yeah. you can test your website without affecting the live website. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you have uh, this development area for free. I mean, it's included in the in the technology. Yeah, you can yeah. use your WordPress, yeah. test your WordPress. It only when you want to publish the content on the CDN, you trigger the, the switch. What we do automatically is to switch off your WordPress. If you forget to switch it off, the WordPress uh, is switched off automatically after 15 minutes of inactivity. Okay. So we, monitor, we are monitoring always uh, HTTP traffic to see if there is some activity on the WordPress dashboard. Uh, we also monitoring the uh, SFTP traffic because okay. we give you access on SFTP. Oh, cool. So if, if there is no traffic, after 15 minutes, the WordPress is switched off. Right. So, and at that moment, your your technology, the, the other aspect, the, the, the crawling aspect begins immediately, does it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it starts when you push your button, publish websites on the CDN, and we start crawling the websites. Ah, okay. So if I if I was to let's say that I was in the dashboard and I yeah. um I I needed to nip out, and fifteen minutes passed, but I had published a, a post during yeah. that time and I walked off and didn't come back, and my WordPress install has gone to sleep, if you like, is that post? Um, is that post and everything going to be, I mean, I know it'll be saved in WordPress, I'm imagining, because the database and everything will have been updated. Will yeah. will it, uh, presumably I will have to go back in, click click um, whatever the button is marked for, uh, go crawl it now. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so, this uh, is the way we work. Yeah, that's just how it goes. And presumably, like everything else, you just get into it and you you kind of work it out. Um, yeah, that, that's that's really really fascinating. What I'm what I'm interested to know is if let's say I had a site with a um, hundred pages. Yes, let's take that as a as a starting point. How long after I've clicked the button and you've gone out to crawl it? Roughly speaking. How long would it take uh, for that site to be up- modified and updated so that my new new posts have become live? Uh, for a small website, is quite fast. Is uh, there is a, about one minute, maybe, uh, okay. maybe less, from yeah. when you push the button when uh, to see your changes live on the CDN. Yeah. It's less than less than a minute. Uh, anyway, uh, there is. A problem with the uh, editorial website that with thousands and thousands of articles. Yes. Because uh, the only way we have to create a static copy 
is to crawl all the websites. Right. Because you know when you 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 create a new article, maybe you have a widget on your on your sidebar with the last post. So maybe all your pages are affected from your change. Mm. So we need to crawl every single page every single time. I so, see. Yeah. So a, a giant site with a, a 150,000 posts and 1,000 pages, perhaps perhaps this isn't for you. Um, no, it's not. The user is going to have a less than optimal experience yeah. for this well, kind of website. That's <laughs> nice to know, though, isn't it? It's good that you, so you, you know who your customer is. It's somebody who has yeah. a, a, a medium to small website, um, presumably somebody who isn't isn't fiddling with it every minute of the day, you know, goes in frequently, but not all the time, modifies yeah. things and then just leaves it well alone. Um, yeah. And in exchange for that customer, you will serve them up something really, really fast. Um, so I guess that's a good question at this point. Yeah. Typically, how long does it take from me Typing in the URL on a, a, a website that you host, how long is it going to be typically um, to, until I receive the entire payload back? Uh, we have to understand. Um, That's a understand bad question, how, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because there are several. There's so many things going we have, on. <laughs> you can run several tests of, on, on yeah. it. Uh, there is a thing that is called first... Um, First byte, time to first yeah, byte. Yeah, time TTL, yeah, TTL. Yeah, TTL. Uh, this is going very, very, very fast because all your content, even as I say, the HTML is under a CDN with 30 servers. So you're, you're going, re going to receive the first byte in less than five milliseconds, okay? Yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> you can all, wherever you are. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at a test. We have... Two milliseconds from US, two milliseconds from Europe, US est, sorry, 25 milliseconds from London, two milliseconds from Japan, three from Sydney, 79 from Singapore, 100 from Sao Paulo, and so on. Okay, <laughs> this is a test. Uh, another test you can run on your website is something like Pingdom, okay? Yes. Uh, but this is a bit different because mainly uh, Pingdom monitor what the developer do on the, their websites. Okay, so if your homepage, for example, if your homepage is twenty megabytes, there's no hosting that can solve this problem. Mm. Okay, so you have to uh, take care of use uh, a good paradigm to develop your homepage. So uh, you have uh, to follow the best practice. Yes, of course, yeah. Uh, what we do, we do some optimization for SEO, like automatically we minify JavaScript and CSS. Okay. We set browser leverage cache automatically. Yep. We, we host the files under CDN. So we do some, some stuff, but if you want a fast website, you, we can do what we can do. We do what we can do, but we, we you have to put some effort on it as well. Yeah, it's a, it's it was a silly question really because there are so many variables. It would yeah. it, 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 I think what I'm sort of trying to say is, um, you know, if you don't have 25 megabyte images and videos 
coming in from YouTube all over the place and you've just got some text and a few fairly yeah. reasonable images um, and you've got the, all those on the CDN and you're serving up uh, that, you know, it, it's going to be quicker. There's no, th- there isn't two ways about it. So long as your technology works, it, it is yeah. going to be quicker. Well, one question about that is um, what's the, what does the URL look like? Does it, ser- is it a .html file that you're giving us? Uh, your permalink structure is the same you have on WordPress. Okay. Okay. It doesn't change. No. We, okay. we, we handle the, the redirection from one page to another, even on, on the static website. Okay. Because this is a, a main, the, the main problem from the static website on a serverless technology is that a, a static website usually uh, doesn't have a server, okay? Yes. It's a serverless technology. A bunch of files, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's difficult to uh, use uh, 301 redirect, for example, on set the correct uh, content header type, mm. okay? We manage to do this because we host the static websites on an S3 bucket. Yep, yep. Okay, so we can configure some stuff, and we put a CDN in front of it. Yeah. I, I, I think I think everybody listening to this, um, our audience are technical, um, and I think they'll understand um, what it is that we're describing. It's really fascinating. Um, one one thing I'm interested in is: are there situations um, when your platform? I mean, we described earlier about a, a very very large site is not suitable because um, your technology needs to go out and crawl it, and that's a problem. Are there any other situations where you would um, advise somebody actually, no, we're, we're not suitable? I'm thinking, for example, um, of sites where the interactive nature of the database is is completely crucial. So, for example, I might be thinking of a WooCommerce site or yeah. a site where, um, I don't know, we've got complicated forms or something like that, or we've got AJAX requests going backwards yeah. and forwards. Uh, can you think of things where you would say, actually, no, we're, we're not for you? Yeah, of course. There, there is no uh, suitable for every kind of website, this technology. Mm. Uh, when we built HardyPress, we had in mind a specific target of sites that are the classic brochure websites yep. with pages who we are, what we do, services, yep. news, content, and so on. Uh, this kind of websites don't need really dynamic architecture mm. and they cover about 80 percent of the market yes uh, instead we had several use cases of sites that have implemented e-commerce booking system and other dynamic stuff capable of working on rdpress huh. thanks to third part third part service like uh, for example hvid for e-commerce uh, Bats24 for booking system, discourse on or or discuss for comment system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You can usually uh, use a third part service mm. to create a dynamic feature on your website. Regarding WooCommerce, as long as you use it for creating products, showcase, and catalogs, you can use it with WordPress. There is no problem. Yeah. Unfortunately, the cart and the checkout feature cannot work on a serverless architecture. Uh, okay. It makes perfect sense, though. You know, you're not you're not trying to 
convince anybody that your product is suitable for everybody. You've got a very yeah. specific user in mind, as we described, 80% of the market. It's a brochure site. It's not being fiddled with too much. You just want something static. One thing that interests me, though, is um, forms, because... You know, there's um, there's a need to interact with the server in some way for every form. How do, how do you handle like a, a basic contact form? Yeah, this is a, this is a good question. Thank thank you for asking <laughs> because <laughs> we we managed to make contact form working and even the search uh, inside of the site, the full text search working. Huh. Uh, with this, uh, with is quite complicated. I mean. Uh, the contact form, if you, you we, we support only contact form seven for okay. the moment. That's a very okay. popular, popular, yeah. well understood plugin. Yeah. If you use it, uh, everything will work seamless, seamlessly. Okay. Uh, so validation, uh, email contents, recipients, everything will work as always. Because what we do is that when you start your WordPress, we inject a plugin inside your WordPress okay. that allow us to read your configuration, okay, your contact form configuration. Right. Then on the static websites, when someone submits a contact form, uh, there's not the WordPress server that can receive this data, but right. we receive this data. Hmm. Okay, so we receive this kind of data and we have the conf your configuration so we can act exactly like contact form seven so we can validate the form we can forward the email and we we can do all the stuff usually contact form does right uh, more than this we have also a zapier app okay so you can integrate your contact form with mailchimp with uh, yep. google drive dropbox and everything else yeah yeah uh, regarding the search box uh, it's quite the same because uh, after we created the static copy, uh, we we have an elastic search index where we your content is recorded. So uh, we can make your search working even if the website is static. Yeah, I, I, really interesting because I was I was puzzled by how you would do contact forms and and, thing, and I mean you've answered it perfectly you've basically built out something which works out what contact form 7 is going to do yeah um, and then you replace you build something on top of that so you've you've got some infrastructure in your in your platform which which mimics contact yeah. form 7 and actually exactly. you, know, you know what contact form 7 is is good um you know it doesn't have the bells and the whistles but then again that's not what your platform is is aiming at is it you know if you want super duper complicated forms through through gravity forms for example well th this this won't be for you but if you if you've got a brochure site um yeah. perfect we are working hard on for, for gravity support, but it's not ready yet. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. the same idea. You've got to presumably work out every permutation of what a gravity form can do. Yeah, this oh. is why it takes longer. Yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. That's hard work. Um, does uh, This won't necessarily appeal to our audience because we're all WordPress users, but I am interested because this, this technology stack that you've got, Docker and so on, uh, it feels like you could deploy this to other CMSs, so let's say Drupal or Magento or something. Is that something that you do or are looking at? Uh, uh, 
at the moment we choose to host only WordPress based mm. websites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we will support other technology eventually, but yeah. currently WordPress cover more than 30% of the existing web. Uh, it has yes. a huge ecosystem yeah. with thousands of beautiful themes, great plugins. So our effort is currently focused on uh, expanding the support for the highest number of plugins possible. Yeah, yeah. Because the, 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 I, I, just an example, uh, every composer has no problem with RDPress because you, for example, Elementor, Visual Composer, this is all stuff that work on the backend. Yep, so yep, yep. it's fine with RDPress. There's no problem at all. But uh, the Visual Composer data grid is a single element of Visual Composer, uh, loads the contents with Ajax. Yes. Okay. So the this cannot work on a static site. So we have to... we. we we did it, but it's not so simple. Yes. So every single plugin must be tested. Are there and any? Then we can say sorry. it's compatible. Yeah. yeah. Are there any notable plugins apart from contact form plugins that you would you would advise us? Actually, you know, that we're not we're not really uh, compatible with those just yet. Uh, sorry. What is the question? Um, so, are there any plugins that you would? tell us we shouldn't install on HardyPress. Can you think of anything, apart from form plugins, can you think oh. of anything which you would say, actually, that does not that does not uh, fit on our platform? Usually, there are plugins, for, as you said, for create uh, forms. Yep. You, you should use contact form. Okay. Uh, WooCommerce. Yep. If you want to use the cart the feature, cart, yeah. otherwise it's fine. Yep. Then there are some plugins that, for example, load the content from social network. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. These yeah. kind of plugins are not supported yet. Yeah. yeah. You have to uh, load the content client side. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you can embed the Twitter widget, uh, embed the YouTube uh, widgets, but it must be done client side. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Booking a survey system, yep. you have to replace this plugin with some external service. Yep. But yeah, that yeah. is quite good. I mean, if you if you start thinking static, like I did several years ago, yes, because uh, you can create almost everything static. Mm. Okay, if you already have a business running on WooCommerce. Okay, I, I would not advise you to move to HardyPress. Okay, because it's going to be a, a huge work to migrate everything WooCommerce from WooCommerce to HVID and build a static website. Yeah, you yeah. have to replace almost everything. Yes. Instead, but if, if you think from scratch in a static way, you can build almost everything. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, it, it really is interesting. I mean, obviously, the, 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 the main purpose is to speed it up, um, is just to make everything quicker. Um, and, and, and secure. I, uh, yeah, of course, yes. Yeah, security, you can't hack an HTML. Well, I, I mean, I suppose you could yeah. re, you could rewrite some text or something, I guess. But um, yeah, the security, there's no, the, because there's no plugins running, there's no PHP going on, yeah. there's no database. What What's to hack, really? Fascinating. Um, yeah, because... 
What what I would say is, um, I'm going to ask Claudio to when we put this live, um, I'm I'm sure that it will generate a certain amount of interest. Um, perhaps if you've got some questions, you could either put the comments in the WP builds on the on the web, you know the page that this uh, podcast episode is on, or go into our Facebook group at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. And Claudio's name is spelt C-L-A-U-D-I-O and Benvenuti is B-E-N-V-E-N-U-T-I. Um, and you could find him on Facebook and, and, and ask him questions if you've got a more technical, uh, you know, a, a more difficult question. But to me, it feels like if you've got a client who's um, desperately into getting their site screaming fast, looks like this might be something um, something of interest, shall we say. So, Claudio, if it's okay with you, I'm going to say thank you very much. I would, I would particularly like to point out um, that Claudio was was asking me quite a few times in the run up to this recording if his um, if his English was going to be okay, and and I, and I think you've done an, an amazing job um, keeping up with my questions. So, thank you for taking the time and talking to us today. And today's ending term is SERPs. That's, which stands for Search Engine Results Page. But Nathan, you've thrown me out on this one because really, are we talking about page anymore when we're talking about Search Engine Results? No, it should just be called Sir, shouldn't it? S-E-R, <laughs> yeah. because now it's just Search en- Engine Results. I, I, I remember joyfully at the beginning of the internet searching around. We had loads and loads of rival what could be described as search engines, although the modern definition of search engine is different. But we had things like um, Alta Vista. Um, mm. There was a whole load of things. There was Yahoo, but in the beginning, there weren't really search engine results. They were just um, directory sites that you could go to, and you know, you'd drill down if you wanted to find out about holidays. You'd go to the tourism section, and then whatever, and hopefully you'd find something. And I remember submitting a few client sites to these things, and you had to prove which section you went in, and so on. They died. Google came along, dominated the market. Everybody who wanted to be, have any skin in the game tried to copy Google. But um, they're a complicated beast now. And like you say, they're no longer a search engine results page. It's now just a, well, it, it it's like a never-ending screed. It just goes on and on. I'm looking on my desktop. I searched the word web and mm-hmm. it just goes on and on. It, it would I don't think it would ever end. I'm sure there'd be literally billions of results. And that, that little thing that you used to see with all the O's of Google lined up, 22 O's, um, and now, according to something I read this morning, can't remember, possibly TechCrunch or something like that, they're going to deploy the same strategy on mobile. They're going to start having it just as an infinite scrolling page. So it kind of puts paid to those uh, SEO people who say, oh, we'll get you onto the first page of Google. Well, everybody's mm-hmm. on the first page of Google now. <laughs> Every last one of us. Do you use um, search engine results a lot? Do you find yourself trawling through... Google as much as you once did, or do you find yourself finding things, I don't know, via Facebook or yeah, whatnot now? Yeah. Do you know what? I think that I have changed a lot, I think, because of these Facebook groups, which brought us together. Mm. I, yeah, I, I'm following leads from Facebook. I'm pretty sure that's I have changed a lot. Mm. Yeah, I find myself finding a lot of things, and it must be Google's absolute nightmare. Um, and they've done an awful lot to, to change their product. And, you know, over time, simply got a list of products now, 
um, I'm just typed in the word Sainsbury's, which is a supermarket in the UK, and now you get uh, you get all sorts of interesting things. You know, you get the Sainsbury's logo. They'll figure out where you are and put pins in a map about where the nearest ones are. They they write their telephone numbers, opening hours. So it's not really just a, a link anymore to a a web page. It's now trying to be the place to find answers not just to where's this web page but the answers to questions and i think it's i think it's really compelling my slight fear with google though is that once beautiful clutter free interface obviously the home page still is but now it, it mm. seems to be getting bogged down with all sorts of things like Twitter feeds and pictures from YouTube um, mm. and all of that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of this stuff, I kind of wish they didn't do it and just turned it off because I do trust the Google algorithm. And generally speaking, mm. if I type in a search, I will do what everybody else does and go for the first two or three and, and hope that it's got it correct. So, yeah. Yeah. There we go. It's got to be changing, hasn't it? We mentioned schema markup before, and that's changing, isn't it? The results yeah. that we get. Yeah. 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 Right, so there you go. That is that is search engine results page or search engine results as it should now be called. I'm sure you all knew what that was anyway, but it's fun. <laughs> Indeed. Right, we will end this podcast on that note and say thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure having you listening right to the end once again. Um, my name's Nathan Wrigley. And I'm David Wormsley. And as always, some dreadful music will be fading in and we will say ta-ta for now. Have a nice week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.